Uh, if you have a Bible or a phone or, or whatever, if you want to have a look at the verses we're going to look at today, it's obviously fairly familiar, but we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 uh, again. Uh, Luke chapter 2, just a reminder um, for those of you here and those online that we, uh, this will be our last in-person gathering until, until the 17th of uh, January. 17th of January, we go back to having uh, two, <laughs> two morning services at half past eight and half past ten. And uh, as usual, you have to book online for all of that until we see what uh, next year holds for us and uh, where we can meet and how often and all of that stuff. But um, yeah, today we are wrapping up uh, the fourth of our uh, mini-series on, on Advent. We looked at the hope of Christmas. We looked at the the peace of Christmas, we looked at the love of Christmas, and today we're looking at the joy, uh, at the joy of Christmas. Um, and we're going to be uh, uh, looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 8, uh, <clears throat> verses 8 to 11. Let me read it and then pray for us, and we can dig in uh, to this Luke chapter 2 from verse 8. I'm just going to read three of these verses. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Let me pray for us. Father, again, we ask as we, come, uh, as we come to look at your word and to listen to it, uh, that you would speak to us. We're, we're so grateful that even on, on days like today, on Christmas Day, where we look at, at things that can be so familiar to us that we, we, we miss seeing you with new eyes in, in this account. Uh, and we pray that today you would keep us from over-familiarity uh, with the Christmas story and allow us to hear with new ears and see with new eyes the wonder and the joy and the glory of Jesus Christ coming into the world and the joy that that brings uh, and is available to each one of us this morning. We, we ask now that as we look at your word that you would speak to us. You'd give us ears to hear what you're saying. You'd give us hearts to receive your words to us and amongst us and that uh, you would impart joy to us in the hearing of your word this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going uh, to be brief, which I know if you're a regular here, you're already thinking, we've heard you say that before, uh, but my kids always tell me that I speak for too long, and they are now in the building with us. They, there's no kids here, so I have to be, I have to be brief, otherwise I'm never going to hear the end of it. Uh, Karis is already pointing at her wrist. She thinks I'm halfway through already. Uh, I'm never going to hear the end of my long sermon. So here it goes. Here are three things that are joy-inducing for you and for me again on Christmas. I love the simplicity of this story. Uh, I love having young kids. Well, one, only one of them, John, is the only one who's like young and marvels at the Christmas story still. But as I was reading again this account of the shepherds, uh, and I was watching a little video thing with him earlier in the week. It was really brilliantly done. And it struck me again that the, 
the angel of the Lord appears to the shepherds. So there's like the angel of the Lord. And whenever you encounter the angel of the Lord in the scriptures, stuff, something's going to go down. Like normally people are falling down or they're terrified or they're running or something's happening. And there these shepherds are appropriately terrified. You know, the Greek word for terrified is terrified. It's exactly as it says there. Like they are, I mean, imagine yourself. You're just out there. I mean, we don't have shepherds. I mean, we do have shepherds, but not in Joburg. Uh, well, my sister looks after sheep, but she, I, don't think she, I don't qualify her as a shepherd. Uh, she's like a quasi-farmer kind of thing. But we don't know shepherds. And Claire and I, we were racking our brains trying to think, who are the equivalents of shepherds these days? Who would be our shepherds? If Jesus Christ was born today, who would the angel of the Lord make the appearance and the announcement to? And the best I could come up with were the trolley pullers, the waste pickers. Those guys who cruise on the street who everyone ignores. Every now and then they're like, hey, wave at them, you know, I hope they don't crash into your car. But we don't, like most people don't rank them high on the society's totem pole. They're digging through your stuff and recycling things. They, they're not criminals, you know, but you know, people want to keep them at arm's bay and they don't want them too close and they don't want them staying in your, in your suburb and stuff like that. Waste pickers, maybe. I think Jesus, if he came now, I think the angel of the Lord may appear to waste pickers and entrust waste pickers with the announcement of the arrival of the King of Kings onto the planet. Something like that. That's the sort of where shepherds were. Uh, they weren't like men of massive stature. They're, they're looking after the sheep. It's not rocket science. Uh, it had a lot of stuff involved in it, but it was um, a lowly kind of job. And there's this angel appears, and they're absolutely terrified. And then I love how it keeps going. We haven't read it this morning, but uh, Michaela read it. Then the, a whole host of heaven. The, the word there is plethora. If you're fancy enough and you were good at English, you know that a plethora is not a couple. Okay, A plethora is like a lot of angels. These poor angels, these shepherds were terrified when the angel of the Lord appeared. Then the backup choir arrived to start singing glory to God in the highest. Can you imagine? You're just chilling, minding your own business, looking after the sheep, hoping for an early night, no activity, and the whole heaven lights up, singing in tune, no doubt, a, a song you've never heard before. I mean, I'm amazed that they actually managed to do anything after this encounter. The fact that they actually got up and went and did uh, and you know, found it as the angel had told them is amazing. Uh, but here is... In verse 9, what we're going to look at. Um, Do not be afraid, for look, I'm proclaiming to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That's all we're going to look at this morning. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news. I think uh, this is a year where we could all do with a bit of good news. Uh, it's been... It's been a hard year. I don't think anyone would deny that. You have to be living under a rock to think that this has been one of the easier years that you or humanity have been through in the last while. And it's not getting much better very quickly. Wherever you look, especially in South Africa, there's COVID numbers coming out every day. Our healthcare system and our healthcare workers are taking massive strain. We get downgraded. It feels like every month... Uh, I read something that somebody got upgraded the other day, but I don't think it was of any importance to the rest of us. But, uh, you know, we don't know who to vote for. <laughs> Maybe you know who to vote for. But, uh, you know, our, poli our, poli our politicians are at war with one another, not just in our country, but around the world. Every way you look, there is an opportunity for tons and tons of bad news. I think that's partly why they call it good news. There's a, 
there's a website, I can't remember the exact title of it, I think it's called The Good Thing, Good Guy, Good Thing Guys. And all he does is, is profile good news. That's all he does, is just find good news stories and just put them on the website there. And it's so encouraging to read. You go on there and all you read is good news. There's no, this person died, this one's in court, this one got shot, the, the, like the sky's falling there. It's just good news, like it's not really the real world, you know, because they've just taken all the bad news out of it, but it's quite refreshing to read. Just tons and tons of good news. And uh, there's a, an aspect in which this morning we're diving into this, and the angel appears to the shepherds and says, I bring you good news. Good news. Why, why is this good news? Well, have a look in verse 11. Explains it. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. This is the heart of the good news. I'm not a massive Christmassy person. I'm not a Christmas Grinch either. Uh, you know, we have a Christmas tree and do all that kind of stuff. But I think I've been coming in my old age increasingly grumpier around the cultural quasi-Christmas. I get sent Christmas greetings by a million people. I got sent a video this morning by some mates and stuff. Happy, Merry Christmas, you know, there's Santa and the reindeer going across the snow there. Uh, and that, that was basically the gist of the message, Merry Christmas. And I was like, like Jesus, the, like the nativity is not even like tucked away in the side there. There was like zero mention of Jesus Christ. And I know you might think oh, I am actually the Christmas Grinch, but I was like, it's, it's Christmas, it's Christmas. It's got nothing to do with Santa. You didn't even give Jesus a token mention in your like, little video thing you spent hours putting together. Christmas is about Jesus. It's good news because it's a message about Jesus, about a Savior that was born. If you take Jesus out of Christmas, you have miss. You know, wait, wait, what is that? You've got nothing. You've got mince pies and Santa and elves and God knows what else. You, know, you, you miss the power of this whole thing. That's what the angel says. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. That is the most important word in this entire story. A Savior was born to you. A Savior for what? If you make your notes, flip to Matthew 1. When the angel appears to Joseph... Remember, there's lots of angelic appearances around the coming of Jesus because this is not uh, normal run-of-the-mill stuff. An angel appears to Joseph to calm him down and to explain to him, look, this is what's going to happen. Don't freak out. You need to follow through with this. And say, Joseph, son of David, from Matthew 1, verse 21, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. Here it is. And you are to name him Jesus because... He will save his people from their sins. That's what he's coming to do. He's coming to save people from their sins. He's coming to be a savior, a savior for sinners. And some of you are listening to this thinking, yeah, of course, I get it. Like, I've heard this a million times. Jeez, Doug. And some of you might be thinking, this is a bit heavy going for Christmas. Uh, but this is what Christmas is about. You know, when the angel appears and says, this is what you're getting, you're getting a savior. You're not getting an example. You're not getting a healer. You're not getting an encourager. You're not getting a guy, a life coach, a, a guide, a financial guru. You're not getting any of that stuff. You're not getting a counselor for when you feel overwhelmed. 
You're not, you're not getting a political liberator who's going to come and help you realize all of those dreams. You're not getting all of that. You are getting a savior. Today, in the town of David, a savior is born because he will come and save people from their sins. The message of the Bible makes no sense for much of our culture because they've taken sin and done away with it. They've euphemized it to death. We no longer sin, we make mistakes. You make mistakes, and everyone makes mistakes, don't we? We tell our kids this when they spill juice. It's my pet peeve. You know, like they're not, they don't have the coordination that Claire and I have. Um, it's skipped a generation or something. Like, you give them juice, it's not a hard thing to put it down in the all over our house. All over the time. Every week, there's juice in a different room of the house there. And do we, do we punish our children for spilling oros? Well, I mean, sometimes we do <coughs> yell a bit, but uh, we don't punish them for mistakes because it's a mistake. I mean, they, they're growing up. They're going to make mistakes like that. And some of us think that that's what we're like. Oh, we just make mistakes. Now, God will be massively patient. I'm just making mistakes here. No, 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 you're not making mistakes. You're living out of your sinful nature. You are living out your heart-bent rebellion towards God. That's what you're doing. And you, before you get into any good news, you need to accept the bad news. Because there's no good news unless you drink the bad news, as it were. You need a Savior because you're a sinner. Now, I know no one likes to hear that these days. People are like, oh my gosh. See, that's why I don't like coming to church. Because that's all you folks ever talk about is that the fact that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Was, yeah, exactly right. Because when Jesus came into the world, that's what was announced. A Savior is born because he will save people from their sins. That's all he promised to do. He didn't promise you the stars. He didn't promise all the other stuff. He promised to save from sins. And it's amazing. And it's central to the story. And as I was reading uh, again and reflecting on this passage, I was struck again by uh, the two passages. We won't read them for time this morning in Ephesians 1. And in Revelation 13, where it talks about when God decided to do this. And, and, and Ephesians 1 and Revelation 13 talk about before the foundations of the world. Before the foundations of the world. Before God made the world, he decided to save you. And to bring you near and save you through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Write your name in a book. That's what Revelation 13 says. That before he made the world, he wrote down our names in a book. So there's a book with your name in it before he spoke the world into being. God's not reactionary. You know, our government, our government might throw us into lockdown again. For me, sometimes it feels like the government's decisions are reactionary. Like This is happening, let's react. Let's react. God's not reactionary. Oh my gosh, I made them and now they rejected me. I need to do something about it. Before he spoke the world into being, the scriptures say he wrote your name. He didn't write random numbers. He wrote Doug Fell. He probably wrote Douglas Fell because my mom called me Douglas Fell. Douglas Michael. Maybe he even put my middle name in there. Douglas Michael Fell. It's in the Lamb's book of life. That's what Revelation 13 says, that before the world was made, my name got written down in a book. There it is. And then he made the world. And he set out on this project to rescue me and to rescue you. The world gets a savior. We do get those other things. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a counselor. He is a guide. He is a provider. He is an example. He is all of those things in different ways, but he is primarily to us a savior because we all need saving. And the good news for us again this morning is that that is what God has done. Not because we deserved it, but because of what? In his mercy, what did he do? 
you wrote your name in a book before he even created you. So you don't contribute anything to it. You just get to receive mercy that's undeserving, that's lavished over your life. It's amazing. Christmas should make you sing. The second thing we see here, it's good news of what? Of great joy. Of great joy. It doesn't say good news of like average, like, uh. it's good news of great joy. That word great there is mega. I love Greek. Uh, it's mega, mega joy. Years ago, I bought Dan uh, a Nerf gun. He said he didn't want one of these little ones. You know, you shoot it, it goes like that. He wanted a mega. And the Nerf Oaks, they know how kids work. They, on the side of the gun is printed mega. You shoot someone with this mega thing, it, it leaves a mark, is all I'm going to say. The bullets whistle when they come down the passage. All the kids are thinking, yes, I need one of these things for when your parents come ask you to clean your room. Sorry, what? You want me to do what? And it's called mega, and it does mega things. It's not like the flimsy other Nerf guns. This thing actually shoots lacquer and does its job. Mega. Mega joy. We bring you news of mega joy. Not average. This washes over many of us as believers. We sit here week in and week out. We go through life knowing that these things are true. We even come to Christmas, and it's like, yeah, it's okay. It's like, cool, but it's not like mega joy joy. The angel stands in front of these shepherds and says, I'm bringing you good news. This is going to be of mega joy for you. How how is it great joy, this mega joy? Very quickly this. It's great joy because the joy is in Jesus Christ. And the joy is secure. It's unassailable. Think of your happiness levels this year. They've probably gone up and down. And for some of you, they may be at rock bottom. Stuff happens. This has been a brutal year in many different ways. And many people's happiness has absolutely evaporated. Why? Because if you put happiness in things that can get affected here, of course you're going to go up and down. As your happiness is either given or taken away based on finances or health or or freedom of movement or experiences or traveling, whatever makes you happy, that can get affected. Joy is unaffected because joy is in Jesus and nothing can get to it. That's the good news of great joy. It's unaffected because it's kept in Jesus. And there's a sense in which joy is God himself because the gift of God is God himself to us. Think about it. God could have done it like this. I forgive you. I forgive you all. Now go sit in the corner and stop stuffing around. Don't make any more mistakes. Don't, no talking. Just go sit in the corner and behave yourself. And I'm coming back. I'll come back and pick you up at the end. But just keep your hands t- clean and your nose, you know. Nose and- keep it tidy. I don't need a relationship with you, but I've forgiven you. God could have done that. Could have forgiven us without relationship. But it's not what God is like. And what we see in Christmas here is Emmanuel. God comes to be with us so that here it is, he can be in us. He can be in us. He doesn't just forgive us. We are saved. We need a savior. We get saved, but we get indwelt by God himself. That is the magic and the meaning of Christmas, that God doesn't just come to become resident in the earth. He comes to become resident in the hearts of those who will receive him. And it's amazing. You get filled with what? Joy. 
Joy, if you're a miserable person, which no one here is going to acknowledge, maybe the people at home are miserable. Um, if you're a miserable person, you know what you need. You need God to come and take up residence in you. Because God is joy. This is a distinctive marker of Christians. We should be the most joy-filled people on the planet. We should be. We're not always, but we should be. Because we've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Listen to this, Acts 13, verse 52. I won't get into the context. They've basically just been kicked out of another, another town. It says, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. They were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. The Holy Spirit comes into your life as a Christian. You get filled with joy. Joy is not happiness. Joy is not happiness. It's way, way deeper and far more robust than happiness. I wrote it like this. Joy is an emotion, though. It is. It's a state of being that's brought about by the Holy Spirit. Do you know that God commands you to do and to feel things that are emotional? All throughout the scriptures, God's people are told to what? Rejoice. 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 How do you command an emotion? Have you ever thought about that? You know, emotions just happen, don't they? Like, I don't have to, if I'm going on my mountain bike downhill, and, you know, it's a bit sketchy, and I've overcooked it, kind of like, I don't have to tell myself, Doug, you are out of control now. It's time to start feeling fear. Ready? Ready, steady? Go, fear, fear. You know, I'm just like, oh, I'm in trouble. The fear just comes, you know, and then I have to do something with the fear, you know, just normally just close my eyes and hope for the best and hopefully you don't go meet Jesus, you know, plow through kind of thing. Like, I don't have to, I don't have to do things to instill emotions that your emotions just come. And yet in the scriptures again and again, we are commanded to do emotional things. Rejoice. How, how do you obey a command? This is how. God gets into you. And the Holy Spirit enables rejoicing. So God is fulfilling what he commands in us. The ability to be a joy-filled people. That's how he does it. Our joy is an emotional thing. Christians should feel joy. You should be a joy-filled person because the Holy Spirit, those of us who follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit is within us. It doesn't mean that we're always going to be happy. It doesn't mean life's always going to be easy. Life, as it has been this year, is, has been brutal. For many people, it's been incredibly harsh, difficult, and tough. Very, very tough things have happened to many people in this church. Does the joy just go then? No. This is the distinctive of following Jesus, is that the joy stays. The joy is still possible in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the loss, in the midst of grief, there's still joy. Happiness, long gone, it's history. But joy remains, because joy is of God. Because joy is of God and it's Holy Spirit enabled. It's a massive, massive thing for us. Last thing, good news of great joy for all the people. For all the people. Who needs the gospel? Who needs good news of great joy? All the people. Every single one of us sitting in this room this morning, every one of you watching online, every single human being ever created needs to hear the gospel and believe it and receive it, not once, but every day as a way of living, receiving I need a savior. I have been saved. God's love is over me. My life exists in Jesus Christ. All of my joy is in him. 
this gospel again and again, beaten into our heads and our hearts over and over and over again. I'm going to ask you that question this morning. You start with yourself. Have you, have you, are you part of all the people? Good news of great joy for all the people. Have you received it? Have you believed? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ and say, I want that joy. I want forgiveness. I want life in his name. That's what I want because that's, that's what's available to us, especially at Christmas. I want you to think, this, I was thinking early, early this morning that a great exercise for you to do on Christmas is to think about who shared the gospel with you. Why are you sitting here today as a believer in Jesus? Who was it who shared the gospel with you that God used that message, that person's influence in your life so that you would become a follower of Jesus? And you make time today to sit and say, thank you, Jesus, for that person. Thank you for their obedience. Thank you for their courage. Thank you for their love for me, that they spoke the message of Jesus Christ. They shared the good news of great joy with this people, you know, so that you could become a believer. We just start there, stop there for a little bit, and then think about how the gospel spreads. Like it spreads from person to person. That's what we hear every week, isn't it? It spreads from person to person. It's like the gospel. I just thought of that now. You can maybe tell. But uh, <laughs> at Christmas, what a great reminder for us that, man, we are we're not here not just as recipients. We're not just here to receive the gospel. We're here to share the gospel. And as we have received, gladly we want to give to others. And the most loving thing that you can give to people is to love them and to verbalize the gospel in their life, to point them to the joy and the forgiveness that's found in Jesus Christ. You're loving them. They may push back. They may resist. They may hate you for it. They may tell you you've got to play in the traffic and whatever else, but you are loving them in that. And I want to encourage us again this morning with that. As we close, this is my prayer for us this Christmas. This is a... Um, a verse that deep in lockdown uh, I was led to, and I've shared it with the church over the videos again and again, and I've prayed this verse more this year than I've ever prayed, I think, a single verse over and over for myself and for our church. Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for us, and I'm going to pray that for us now as we close out this part and sing together again. Let's pray this over ourselves this Christmas. Father, thank you for, thank you for the gift of joy. Thank you for the gift of Jesus in whom our joy lives. Thank you, Father, for thinking of us, for writing our names in your book of life and then going about your plan to rescue us back to yourself, sending your own son into the world to be our substitute, to be our sacrifice so that through our faith in him we could become the sons and daughters of God. Thank you for the joy that comes to us because we belong to you.
And we pray for ourselves that this Christmas wouldn't just be another one of going through uh, the motions, uh, such familiar events and stories. I pray that for each one of us, we would have a new and deep encounter with the real joy of the Holy Spirit poured out on us and into us and through us because of the work of the Holy Spirit. We want to pray like what Paul prayed, that the God of hope would fill us with all joy and peace as we believe in him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would do that for us and that we would go into today and into the rest of the season a people rejoicing in the gift of God that is in us through Jesus Christ. We love you and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.